The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood, join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Yeah, hold that please, level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and today bringing you an interview between Steve Harmison and the former England captain Mike Brearley. The two sat down throughout the recent Ashes campaign to talk about captaincy, international cricket and uh, a whole lot else. It's a fascinating listen and I hope you uh, enjoy what you're about to hear. Steve Harmison in conversation with the former England captain Mike Brearley. Mike, turning over the pebbles, uh, life and cricket, and in the mind is a new book. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's it's a memoir, so it goes through things that have interested me and passions of mine in my life, one of which, of course, is cricket, mm. and uh, how I started with that, and how how did I get from there to being a psychotherapist, you know, which we knew I knew nothing about from my family. My We didn't know anyone who had emotional or mental problems we didn't know any therapists or doctors so it was a it's a sort of seems like a big step Mm. uh, or set of steps so that's really what it's about and turning over the pebbles is about looking at the other side to see what what there is to be found on the other side looking again at first impressions and seeing what there is i mean i I think that's actually what a lot of people do when they watch sport too Mm. They, they they it's not only watching and the physicality of it, and the skill of it. It's also what's going on on the field, you know, and they look at it this way and that way. And I think that it, the game is, especially cricket, is in the mind as well as in the body, obviously. And you, you I'm fascinated to, to talk to people, where, when, especially when they write a book, and you get a lot of sports sportsmen, sportswomen, write them straight after their career. Yeah. And then... 20 years later, when they realise what sort of life is, mm. the, 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 some, the, especially when they tell me, they go, I wish I'd wrote it now yeah. because I, my outlook is completely different to what yeah. it was. Yeah. Is that something that you feel in, in this, that you feel as though it's a better, it's a, it was a better journey to do it now rather than straight yeah. out of, of playing cricket? When I was playing cricket at the end, I wrote three books on Ashes series mm. and Three years after I stopped, I wrote The Art of Captaincy. Mm-hmm. So I did those things at the time. But really, it's only in the last seven or eight years when I've become semi-retired as a, th- as a psychotherapist. I still work three days a week, but mm-hmm. not five. I've started to write other books. Two of them 
mainly on cricket. One's called On Cricket and one's called Spirit of Cricket. Mm. And also a book called On Form, which is about being on form in different areas of life, including sport and being off form as well. But this one is sort of looking back over, not the whole of my life, I hope, but <laughs> a, a good deal of it, you know. And yes, it is different now. I, remember, yeah. I, I, I wrote one and I felt it very therapeutic to write, yes. to write it, to go back through it because I suffered yeah. from clinical depression. And yeah. I felt as though, and, and I look and I, and I read a comment that you met about this current regime, Stokes and McCollum, mm. about two characters. Mm. And it, it really hit home with me because when I was diagnosed, I felt my cricket became freer because mm. I appreciated mo- not only what I had, but I thought there's more to things, more to yeah. life to worry yeah. about. Yeah. And yeah. when you said, yeah, you wrote an article and you said that, how did you come, how did you sort of feel that way? Did you ever feel that way in cricket when you were, when you were captaining? You because mean depressed you were, or something like that? No, no, about, about the outlook of the, the, the sort of, the outlook of characters. You were, talk, yes. you were always talked about somebody who had a, a great way with people. And you, know, you were described once having a degree in people, how to work out how somebody is behaving and somebody is behaving differently yes. and the art of captaincy through that. Yes. Well, I think there's two very broad aspects of captaincy. One is um, tactics and strategy and setting the right field and putting the best bowlers on at the right times, you know, and mm. an attitude to that. And the other is a lot to do with what makes somebody tick, you know, and that sometimes they go flat, people go flat. Sometimes it's depressed, sometimes it's flat, no energy, no life, a sort of depression. And how do you get somebody a little bit out of that or get to know them well enough for that? Or sometimes people get overexcited, manic, they can do anything in the world, you know, and that can be a helpful attitude, but it can also tip people over the top. They think they can do anything in the world. But... Now that you've mentioned this and you mentioned your depression, I, I, I also was struck by the fact that I know that Ben Stokes was depressed mm. a few years ago. I saw Sam Mendes's film about him, which mm. was excellent, and he was very frank about it and very open about it. And I know that uh, Brendan McCullum felt in 2013 or 14 that he and the New Zealand team had lost their way. They'd lost the fun of playing. They'd lost mm. their enjoyment. They'd lost contact with the boys they were when they started to play cricket, the reason for playing sport, especially cricket. And I thought that both of them sort of dealt with that, had to go through that and dealt with it, and probably are so completely um, immersed in this attitude that they've produced in the England team that it's it's a sort of new lease of life for them. Mm. So I, I have also thought about it in context of England's current way of playing. And you, you talk about the young child. Yes. And yeah. was cricket everything growing up to you? Was that yeah. something that your pathway was always going on to cricket? And f- following on from that, was leadership always something that become natural as a young man? As for the first question, when I was nine or so, my mother said to me, if you carry on like this, you'll do nothing but play cricket and football all your life. Not bad way of regular. Not bad judgment, <laughs> was it? Uh, we stopped, I stopped football when I was... I mean, we, my school played rugby after 10 or 11, so I didn't. But anyway, as far as I was concerned, my dad was a good amateur sportsman. He played once for Yorkshire, actually, mm. and, and three years for Yorkshire seconds in the 30s when they were the best side in the country. And he played for Middlesex seconds a bit. So he was a very good sportsman, football, hockey, cricket. He could also swim and do water polo and things like that. 
But um, so I was always passionate about cricket. And when I was about six, this is another me- memory in the book, I started digging a hole to Australia in the back garden. <laughs> and I don't know if I really believed this, or, but I certainly was excited about it. I can remember. And I suppose that I already knew somewhere that there was a glamour associated with cricket that had to do with this place called Australia, yeah. and that it was somehow to be on the other side of the world. And, I did, and so I think that was a, a sign of my passion mm. and that became and continued to be a passion. Um, captaincy, I think it comes later, but again with my dad, a Yorkshireman, he was one of those Yorkshiremen who, you know, always had a, an opinion about tactics as mm. well as playing, if you can distinguish the two, and who would always be talking about why is he bowling this chap or look at this field, there's something wrong with this field for a leg spin or whatever it might be. And he was also, I think, interested in somebody's attitude, you know, whether did they lack grit, Mm. did they have too much defensiveness, could they open up a bit, you know, so he was interested in Mm. those questions. So I think I did get that, as it were, from the horse's mouth. From the horse's mouth. And you talk about Australia, I don't think we can end the chat talking about anything other than Sir Ian Botham. Bob Willis, Headingley. Yes. First of all, you 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 obviously were, you were part of the an Ashes side before, but then you came out of the side. Sorian relinquishes the captaincy. You come back in, and you take a man who was clearly an unbelievable superstar yes. from rock bottom yes. to Headingley. Yeah. Well, basically in a space of a week. How well, on earth have you done that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite right that I did it, you know. I did. I think I did something for him, and he could he could find he could take things from me more easily than from other people because mm. I was his first captain for when when he played in mm. in the England team. So he we we'd gone through those years together. He could enliven me with his humour and banter and his mm. li- his liveliness and his his attacking orientation he was good news for me i mean it was a great cricketer but he was also good news for me personally mm. although we were very different characters we mm. got on very well and his batting well he and he'd had the misfortune of captaining england for nine of his 11 tests i think it was against the west indies mm. who were easily the best team in the world at the time and i wrote him a, a letter when i when he was in West Indies, and I gave him a piece of advice which was to captain england against somebody else you know. <laughs> so Anyway, so but what I what I did was I noticed when we, we fielded first and we didn't have a good first day on a, on a good bowling pitch. They scored two hundred and ten for three, uh, but I saw that he wasn't running in at the crease. You know, I could tell, he, and he was sort of a bit more mannered, if that's a fair word. He would step into the side, I think, to make the ball swing, and so and I took him off after three overs and he said I can't bowl three overs up spells and I said well can't bowl you bowling medium pace half volleys <laughs> and you know we had that bantering yeah. but serious mm-hmm. uh, exchange and and I also nicknamed him the sidestep queen because of this step in towards the yeah. stumps and of course someone had probably tried to coach him and help him in that way but actually he was always at his best when he ran through the crease hard hit the ground hard and did everything pretty sharply you know mm. and this was sort of it wasn't right so mm. I was able to say that to him and with the batting I was able to say to him you know enjoy yourself on yeah. this pitch you go in and just let it go you know you, you, we don't want you trying to play like Jeffrey yeah. boycott you know <laughs> especially not here mm. because the pitch was so much in favour of the bowlers 
in that, in the art of captaincy and the manner of dealing with people. I played for Michael Vaughan yes. and, you know, we talk about the niceties of captaincy, yeah. but yeah. The, the sign of a good captain is somebody who can have a harsh word. Like yeah. you had with Beefy, taking him off and yeah. bowling yeah. our yeah. follies. Yeah. But it's that for me intrigues me about how did you deal with you mentioned a character there, Jeffrey Boycott. Yes. You've also got yes. Sir Ian Botham. Yes. Also got the great late Bob Willis. Yes. These are massive characters yes. in a dressing room. How do you deal with how is the captaincy well, dealing with that? See, largely that's a great thing to have strong characters with opinions and different ways of being because they bounce off each other. Mm. It's like a family, a family that that's lively and argues and fights with each other every now and again, but basically respects each other. Mm. So I think that, you know, on the whole, it was a good thing. And obviously, each one does need to be treated a bit differently. But overall, you have to give everyone the sense, if you can, and you never do it perfectly, but if you mm. can, that you're thinking of the whole team and the lesser, slightly more fringe players, as well as the big stars like the four people you've mentioned. So you do your best, really, but... Basically, they also helped each other and helped me. Mm. And, you know, so it was a two-way thing. And you win the Ashes in... in, in you're part of this... Yes. This... What we still know now is... You know, we talk about Head and Lee, 80... It's still, it's mm. still talked mm. about. Yeah. And it probably will still be talked about in 50 years. Head and Lee, 81... Ashes 05, you know, yes, the, 05, the, the, the 19 Stokes, the grill, come on yeah. to bed in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. This series could be the same. Yeah. But what did it mean to you as a as a captain and as a leader coming away from Headingley yeah. after what was an unbelievable performance? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was aware that, as Railing was said, that I wasn't the greatest captain, I was the luckiest. And mm. there was a great deal of luck and in you know, in a match where you win by think 19 that days. To, as a, if you want to be a great captain, you have yeah, to have, have luck. some luck. You do. And, and you know, when you won by two runs at at Edgbaston, mm-hmm. that could just as easily have gone the other way. Especially just, that big boom and full toss I bowled the, the ball before. <laughs> went to cover, it went like a, a bullet to cover, it didn't it? I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I'm thinking, if, if a top-order batsman had hit that fair enough, but normally a tail-ender would yeah. have just hit the outside edge yeah, or the, the inside edge, edge and it would have been two and we wouldn't have won. So yeah, you need the... Yeah, you, you need, need it. it. So anyway, but yes, well... I mean, it is a fantastic experience to go through five days against Australia in particular, but against any test team in a test match. You go through a lot together, don't mm. you? And, and it's a great, a great experience, especially when it turns out well at the end. Um, so, yes, well, and then we had two more, and Ian again, oh, really in effect, did a huge amount to win t- the next two matches. He scored 100 at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. which was a terrific knock. It was yeah. a better knock, really, than the Headingley one. Mm-hmm. It was more controlled and the pitch was better for batting. And he played magnificently there. And then he took five for one at Edgbaston mm-hmm. to win the match, which, again, we looked as if we were losing, going to lose. It was the other, the other order. It was Edgbaston mm-hmm. and then Old Trafford. So it was an extraordinary summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very fortunate and a wonderful experience. Just one more on that series because I've got to mention him. Yeah. He, he, it was an unbelievable human being, and it's so sad that Bob Willis is not no yeah. longer with yeah. us. But yeah. I want to take you back to to Bob at, at Headingley because yeah. during my time, my career, Bob Willis gave me so much stick. I mean, every night he used to hammer me on the TV, tell me I'm not very good, tell me I was this, tell me I was that. And then I got to work with him for the best part of 10 years and he was the, he is the nicest man I, I have ever I met. Yes. And I mean, his encyclopedia brain of cricket yes. was unbelievable. Yes. 
But take me back to that. Yeah. You're standing next to him at the top of his mark, downhill yeah. yes. at Headingley. Yeah. One, why did he bowl downhill? Because he normally went up it. Yes, he was and worried about bowling eyes balls. Were, yeah. His eyes were just so wide. And I know, yes. He, he, he gets into, he got into What did zone. you say to him? In the zone, mm. sort of zone. And, you know, I would run, and he's got great long strides, <laughs> and I'd run alongside him and I'd try and say, you know, Goose, you're doing all right, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe just a bit further up or a bit straighter or... What about a few bouncers or something? You know, whatever it was, I thought, and you and you you weren't quite sure anyone in Goose, you know, but he was, and he liked. He told me he liked it. Yeah. Sometimes a wicketkeeper, you know, Bob Taylor or or Alan Knott would also do the same sort of thing because they were the ball was coming into their gloves. They yeah. knew the real when he was really on Hit song it, yeah. when he wasn't quite. So yes, uh, Bob was a fantastic bloke, and it was partly a front that savage. Critical critic yeah, yeah, well, that so you're yeah. talking about, but it was also something he was like that as well. I mean, he mm. was quite severe on people if he thought they weren't doing what they could have done, mm-hmm. including himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and and you know, he would say about a batsman like Derek Randall or David Gower got out playing a loose shot after getting forty or fifty, and he couldn't stand. You know, fast bowlers yeah. don't like that, they do they? Know, definitely, you, yeah. you want to keep batting, keep yeah. them keep batting. And he would say they've got to be spoken to. <laughs> <laughs> and he would speak to them, and so would I, but, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or the manager. But anyway, he was, yes, he was a great man, and yeah. I was very fond of him. Yeah, Norman and, Gifford used to say to me, the great man, Norman Gifford, my first coach, yeah. used to, I'd sit with my pads on, helmet on, and he hit me over the head as I was waiting to go out. And he would just remember, Mr. Harmonson, how hard it is to get a wicket. Don't go giving yours away. And that's what yeah. Giff, that was my yeah. best advice over when yeah. I was like 17 year old. Well, that's good advice. He was, yeah. and Giff was a, an, another, another one, a great man. But going on to this, yes. this, this new regime. Yes. It's a completely different way to yeah. the way cricket's being played. Yes. Have you, have you enjoyed what yes. Ben and Brendan are doing? And Hugely. From right. a psychological point of view as a captain, yeah. what have you seen in Ben? That yeah. you think this is the game changer from yeah. what was yeah. England tough times to where England are on the path. Well, this thing of going back to the to the boy and the enjoyment—that's yeah. the first thing. His own ability as a player is a second thing. You know, his heroics and mm. he can be an ex- an inspiring example. In fact, I've just wondered a little bit if the attitude that he wanted to instill in people. Slightly interfered with his batting last year, actually. Mm. And so instead of playing, you know, getting himself in a bit more, he would start playing ambitious shots early on. Mm. It's a marginal thing, but I did think that. So that's the first thing is enjoyment. The second thing is reducing the fear of failure. I mean, everyone has fear of failure. And if you're playing for England in a public way and where your skill is being observed and criticised from all corners... Mm. Um, you're, you know, failure is not easy, and, mm-hmm. and and in cricket it's writ large. As a batsman, you have to leave the field, and yeah. a bowler you can be run ragged, and it can go on for a very long time. So um, he's reduced that. In the first place, he he never shows criticism of players on the field, which I admire because mm-hmm. I sometimes I'm afraid did not mm-hmm. not the good thing. And um, though it was also, I think, part of what Bob Willis was saying, it was a passion for yeah. getting it right as mm-hmm. well. But it was sometimes not good but also this business of in i don't know if this was true in your day still but in my day if you played for four days in a test match especially in unfamiliar conditions abroad pakistan say or something like that the team not being fit fit very well they'd all mm-hmm. had stomach upsets in pakistan and you'd bowl 
a lot he'd scored faster than the opposition let's say like they had in that first test last winter mm-hmm. and they bowled were going to have bowled by the end of the match twice as many overs as the other side had bowled and still won the match, mm. you know, got more runs in that time. But if you got to that fourth day in my day, you'd have thought, the team would have thought, and I would have tended to think, then let's throw it away, right, then yeah. let's give them a chance. Ben gives them a chance. Yeah. He says, well, all right, we might lose. They lost by one run in New Zealand mm. and they gave them a chance and they lost. Mm. Well, that was the other way around, but they they could have lost either of those first two tests in in Pakistan, mm. but they won both of them. And um, I think that's quite, that's a good thing. I don't agree that one should never play for a draw. It's mm. a bit like what Norman Gifford said to mm. you. You know, you know how hard it is to uh, win a match, mm. to take a wicket, to take wickets. Yeah. You stick it out the best you mm. can, and that can be the best thing you can do. And there are heroic events of that, Monty Panesar and Jimmy Anderson yeah. at Cardiff or um, you know Mike Atherton in uh, Johannesburg yeah. or uh, ages ago before my time when I was a, a boy Watson and Bailey against Australia at Lords in mm. 1953 they batted for about five, or five hours and mm. saved the match, it was hero- heroic yeah. it was wonderful mm. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation from masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store, or via the app. Yeah, hold that, please. Level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And it's, so, you know, I don't think one should never play for a draw. Yeah, and that's something... I've spoke to Ben about the, the batting side of it. Yes. And yeah. he, he basically said to me he needed to instill a leadership to get his leadership across. Yes, that's what I mean. And which was no fear of failure. Yes, yeah. And if he was the one that was, the one that was failing, but he was still portraying to his team, we go harder, we go again. And I think it was a little bit of a, 
not a bluff, but it was yes. it was something to say to his team. Yeah. You know Look. what? This is what I want us to do, and yeah. even and if I fail, do it too. I'm going to fail as well. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I think he got a little bit of that from yeah. someone like Owen Morgan. Yes. And how important yes. do you think Owen Morgan's been yes. to this current regime of what he's brought through? But also, I think he's still in the year of Ben and, and Brendan. I think he's a remarkable captain too, and mm. I think he did a terrific job. And again, he he instilled lack of or less fear, lack of fear. Mm. I know what I was going to say. He was talking about winning people round by yeah. his example. I think that's been particularly true even more with them with the batters, but with um, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. Yes. That now they're ha- happy to risk a few fours early on in the, in, the, in the chance of getting an extra wicket or two. Mm. Whereas I thought they were always just a little bit cautious about that. You know, they would, mm. they'd like to keep control. They'd like to go two runs and over, not more, you know? Mm. And now they're prepared, well, maybe it's better to have them, let's say, two for 50 off 12 overs than one for 14 or 12 mm. overs, I don't know, something mm. like that. So I think that's also been a change of attitude and a more openness towards attacking in varied fields, mm. not necessarily orthodox ones. Mm. It has been a massive, I think it's been a massive shift change for yes. everybody. I think so. And I think to, for the leadership of Ben to get Jimmy and Stuart to buy into it I as know. well, because I think Mabby's not had that in the past. I think so. Um, I think is why the England cricket team is going, Mike... I really appreciate your time. Mm. It's been an absolute honour, if I must say so, to speak to you, you. not only about the book, but the captaincy and everything. So on behalf of TalkSport and all our cricket lovers, um, turning over the pebbles, go and buy it. It's been a fascinating chat. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Honour for me too. Thank you. Thank you. Big thanks to Mike Brearley and also Steve Harmison. Thanks for listening to the show. Next week, the Cricket Collective returns, uh, Neil Manthorpe and Harmy. And then at the back end of the week, uh, a brilliant interview. You've got to listen to this. My Sporting Life with Adam Holyoke, uh, one of the great Surrey skippers and uh, former England international. It's, uh, it, it's an emotional listen at times, but also uh, really shows just what uh, a leading light in cricket Adam Holyoke was and still remains. So uh, stay tuned for that on the following on podcast feed, My Sporting Life with Adam Holyoke and next week as well, The Cricket Collective with Steve Harmison and Neil Manthorpe. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Isaac Quainall, Tom Stewart. Now that KO has 4K, people will see every detail. I better wash my hair. Oh, I'll book in a spray tan. Maybe a manicure? I'm shining up my tats. Experience amazing detail with 4K. Now on KO.